My favorite kind of travel is going by myself into places that I've never been before. And what I really love about it most, I, I think, is how little they make me feel. In a world where everything is getting more and more complicated, we are seeking ways to escape that through traveling. If you watch sci-fi films from 1990s or even from 2000s, they probably think we're all in space right now. Sci-fi, traveling, space? Hey Mercedes, am I dreaming? Yes, you are. And while you have been sleeping, we traveled around 55 million kilometers. Hey, Mercedes. Give me five more minutes. While I'd love to do that, I must inform you that we've arrived at our destination, the planet of Mars. Today is the 21st of September 2052 and it is 5.35 a.m., the perfect time to enjoy the sunrise on Mars, Ricardia. Oh, wow. I didn't know the journey was going to be that fast. Well, I suppose I'd better get my bags and start my space vacation, right? That would be a good idea. We land in 10 minutes. Oh, whoa, that's quick. Now, where did I put my glasses? I thought I... Anyway. Hey, Mercedes. Where are we landing again? We are going to touch down on Docking Bay 327, right next to the dry banks of the canyon system Cassie Valls. Scientists say that millions of years ago, water flew through these gigantic channels, and they were right. Today, the holiday resort Nova Prospects makes use of the vast ice reservoirs deep under the planet's surface to supply tourists and staff with fresh water. Ricardia, look outside and watch the blue sunrise caused by the special dust within the atmosphere. Wow, I mean, that's amazing. This panoramic window really is the perfect feature for space van lifers like me. You know, traveling to the red planet was my childhood dream. And now it has actually come true. Yeah, I have to work a little bit, but in the afternoons, I can hike on real Martian sand and explore the Kassai Canyons. I wonder if I packed everything. They did say bring your own spacesuit. I'm happy for you, Ricardia. However, for now, please fasten your seatbelts. I'm initiating the landing process. Touchdown in three, two, one. Wait, what? Back to the reality of 2022. Back to planet Earth. We're here, and Mars is millions of kilometers away. So why then did we just hear future me speaking from a space shuttle? Well, it wasn't just mind travel, people. It was a vision. Of a future where boarding a spaceship will be just as normal as taking a plane to start your vacation. I am Ricardia Bramley, and this is Future Dimensions, a podcast by Mercedes-Benz. In every episode, we'll explore visions of a more beautiful tomorrow, because shaping the future always starts with a vision. Ready to ride? Today we're going to look at how we will travel in years to come. Because clearly, how we travel is changing. The pandemic has turned everything upside down. The iconic van life hashtag is all over our social media feeds. And you know something's up when super rich guys are flying into space. Plus, let's not beat around the bush here. Discovering the world has its drawbacks. 
be it the ecological footprint, the endangerment of habitats for both humans and animals, or overcrowded cityscapes. However, we are here to inspire you and to offer some ideas that help keep what we essentially love about travel, while still managing some of the challenges ahead. But what is the essence of travel? Well, during my conversations with our experts today, I realize that they all share one common theme, our human passion to explore. So will we be swimming in artificial lakes on Mars someday? And what's happening to travel addicts here on Earth? Is van life here to stay? And what does virtual reality and the metaverse have in store for globetrotters? Tons of questions to explore, so let's dive right in. Why do we need to travel so badly? When I look back at my childhood, travel for me was always something new and fresh. I vividly remember when my parents took me to New York. Taxis honking at every corner, the smell of concrete after the summer rain, and the newness of it all. I bet you totally just conjured up your own travel memories, am I right? I wanted to find out more, so I asked a few people why they love traveling so much. What do I love about traveling? <laughs> a lot of things. Uh, first of all, it gets to you know breaks up the monotony of of, of being in one place for too long. Um, I'm I'm not really good at that, but um, I also love seeing new things. I went to Brazil for the first time not that long ago. I got to see a ton of new things I've never seen before. New people, new environments, kind of like in a childlike wonder. The thing I love most about traveling is just getting the chance to explore. Um, for me, it's not necessarily about what you have in a guidebook or what's available to you on your Google Maps. I love, uh, I'm a big fan of, of city traveling and I love having times where you just literally wander the streets and go to a certain neighborhood, see what's on, what surprises might lie on like a street corner and you know what you might find that might not be at the top of kind of the tourist list. When I go to other countries, of course, I'm interested in the people, the atmosphere, the culture, uh, perhaps even art and music. It's the cultural heritage of a country that really thrills me. Yes, I think that's the greatest thrill. There are many reasons for traveling and just as many tempting destinations. But is there something deep inside us that makes us want to travel? To find out, I asked somebody who has visited almost a hundred countries and has dedicated much of her professional life to the topic of traveling. Here's Emily Thomas. She's an associate professor of philosophy at Durham University. To learn more about her interest in traveling, I called her at her office. During our conversation, she remembered her first adventure, where she packed up all of her belongings, carefully planned her route, and stepped out into the world opening a whole new chapter of her life. My very first backpacking trip by myself, I was 18 and I went away for a year. And, and the, the hardest part of that was China, where I spent three months and it was just fantastic. I didn't understand anything what people were saying and it was just absolutely bloody brilliant. Just like Emily, I guess, we all remember those travel experiences that stayed with us forever. And I know that in this very second, one of them has caught up with you. But what is it that makes traveling so remarkable? I think we tend to associate travel with leisure travel. And that doesn't necessarily mean relaxation. And for me, what separates that kind of travel from more 
mundane travel is that we are actively seeking out the unfamiliar. It's not so much driven by necessity as by wanting to, to exercise our curiosity. Hold on, let's unpack that one more time. For most of us, traveling means going on vacation, relaxing, working out, not me, and recharging our batteries. But the bottom line is, we travel because we're curious, because we want to learn about other ways of life and gain new perspectives. In the end, we humans are explorers by heart, always eager to see what's beyond the horizon, whether we do it at a city beach in Barcelona, at the Louvre in Paris, or in the thick of the Peruvian jungle. Well, I guess there is more than one way to travel. But does how we travel depend on the country we hail from? Let's take a look at a country that has seen rapid development in the last decades, China, and see how traveling changed here. I called Arnold Ma. Hey, Arnold. Thanks for your time. So about the podcast. He's a digital marketing expert who grew up in China. Now he's dedicated to help Western brands understand their Chinese customers better. Arnold says he's met two types of Chinese travelers. The first group, the box tickers. I remember even when I was young, when I was in China, my aunt used to say, like, oh, you know, like traveling is like a job. It's like a chore, right? Because you go somewhere, you stay there for a day, you take that box, you, you, you take the group bus onto another location, you take the box and you take the group bus to the next location. But according to Arnold, there's a second group of Chinese travelers, a younger, more independent and more active group. Welcome to the Gen Z and Millennials travel era. What they prefer doing, I think, is much closer to the European way of traveling or the Western way of traveling. They're more about actually experiencing the culture and the food. And a lot of them will do loads and loads of research before they do that. Because for them, traveling is not about taking a box. It's not even about relaxing. But the way they get out of that is, is more about the experience of being there. Speaking of special experiences, there is one travel trend that has gained traction, van life. I mean the allure of sitting in the wild, smelling the freshly brewed coffee, making breakfast on the campfire. It's a way to travel more freely, and it's self-sustainable. Basically, you can jump right into van life by buying a new one or customizing an old RV. Advanced van lifers actually don't just travel. They make it their lifestyle and make their wheeled travel companion their home. During the last few years, van life has been booming, and the international travel bans due to the pandemic fueled that development. Why is that? Let's hear from Emily one more time. I think people are going to become more inventive um, with where they're traveling um, in order to, to get off the beaten path, to try and do something different. Um, and if they can't do it by the location that they're visiting, then maybe they're going to do it by their means of transport. There's one more thing contributing to the van life boom, if you ask me. Social media. Because these days, it's pretty much picture or didn't happen, right? However, showing off extraordinary places to followers and friends is becoming harder and harder. Like we've all read these articles about the tiny, remote, beautiful place becoming an overcrowded tourist hotspot. So once showing off these places doesn't do the trick anymore, getting into van life can be a new way to share your trailblazing vacation spots. I also wanted to hear Arnold's thoughts on this. What about van life in China? 
Is it a big thing there too? Will people in this part of the world take to the new travel trend? I would say the answer right now is is no, purely because it's just not really something that's been in kind of like Chinese people's DNA or culture for a very very long time. I think if van life does work,、uh, if camper vans do work, it'll have to be similar to glamping, where it's a combination of like creature comforts and also the experience of being in a van and driving around and seeing different things. Okay, so no van life for China for now. But I just heard glamping or glamorous camping, meaning exploring the jungle during the day, but in the evening you're safely tucked away beneath a blanket at some luxury retreat nearby the forest line. So Arnold, is this something that the Chinese might like? I mean, this sounds tempting no matter what nationality. Any sort of outdoor activity, right? Whether it's like camping, climbing,、uh, mountain biking, hiking—like all of these things are becoming super popular in China, especially since COVID, because. It gives people the sense of like health and nature, and you know, just kind of being more healthy and less stressful, and getting away from the bigger cities. Glamping specifically, I think, is really popular because it combines both their desire to have an outdoor experience, but also have that creature comfort with them, especially among younger generations. So, for Chinese millennials, it's all about the experience of being outdoors. But they won't necessarily hop into a minivan to do so. Rather, they will take out their phones, find the best-rated guided tour, spend an awesome day in the wild, take lots of pictures, and then happily fall asleep in a five-star glamping destination. For now, we've talked about why we travel, how we travel, and what current travel trends shape our vacation plans. But we also want to discover more distant tomorrows, right? So, will I be sitting in a spaceship traveling to Mars in a few years? Where can I find someone who knows about future trends and also loves traveling? Then I remembered someone who thinks about the future on a daily basis, Dasha Krivonos from episode one. A futurist herself, she said, "I should probably talk to a colleague of hers." So, my name is、uh, Bukkeholm Hansen, and、um, I'm from Denmark, working as a futurist at the Copenhagen Institute for Future Studies. Before we dive in, though, Bugge had a nice little travel story to tell. That is a story. I mean, I've been since I was young. I did a lot of climbing,、uh, alpinism. So I actually started up as a as a climber in a local climbing club, and、uh, went around the world climbing big mountains. So when I started my study at the university, I had this big、um, dream about uh, combining uh, my studies with traveling. Having become a professional futurist, Bugge rushed to tell me that seeing the future is not like you're peeking into a crystal ball. It's a lot more complex than that. I mean, the problem with the future is that we don't have any data on it, but we have a lot of mega trends that we can、uh, try to figure out in which direction are they heading. And then we normally would set out more possible futures because we don't see one future. We see different futures、uh, are possible, and some of them are more plausible than others. Okay, fair enough. Foresight is tricky. What was funny is that during my talk with Bugge, I remembered these weird pictures from old magazines that imagined what the year of two thousand looked like. With steam-driven helicopters and fully automated robots doing the dishes and other stuff, based on these sometimes absurd, sometimes accurate assumptions, I asked him what the future of van life could look like. 
I think um, in a world where everything is getting more and more complicated, we are seeking ways to escape that through traveling. And van life is a good way of escaping that. So I definitely see a bright future for that. And I think it's also um, connected with the fact that we are moving into the city. This urbanization uh, uh, is going on globally. So the more we are going to urban areas to live our life, the more we we reach out for, for the countryside and for the nature when we have time to do it. Wow, that pretty much confirms what Arnold talked about earlier. Getting out into nature to get away from our city lives is happening. Boga said something else super interesting. The ways we travel into nature are changing. So, for example, um, uh, here in Scandinavia, we just did a, a big research report about fewer and fewer kids actually um, trying to climb trees and be dirty in nature, but more and more kids are going out in nature. So, so it's, a, it's a paradox at the moment that we want to travel uh, with our van, we want to go out and feel the nature, but we don't want to be dirty in the nature anymore. Since glamping eliminates some of the more challenging aspects around outdoorsy life, Buga is convinced that we will see this mode of travel even more in the future. You got your full equipment to cook your food and go to bed like kings and queens. And what's best, you can even recharge your digital gadgets overnight. Hey, speaking of digital gadgets... You could put on a virtual reality headset and go and visit a beach or a mountain. Sounds good, Emily. Having done a lot of research on the topic, Buga sees VR as a phenomenon to shape the future of travel too. Plus, a McKinsey report just recently stated that in 10 years, up to 50% of events will take place in the metaverse. So what does that mean for traveling? I mean, will we still travel in person at all? For you as a customer, I mean, it will be a fantastic journey. One thing is the VR experience in the metaverse um, that will actually help a lot of the things that we're seeing in the travel industry at the moment. We will we see over tourism, so like having places, churches, museums that can invite you in to a VR experience. VR as a problem solver, that's great news. What's more, there's a trend towards merging the physical and the virtual world that could make the metaverse the next big thing in the travel industry. So we will have this future where we, when you go traveling, not from your couch, but in real life, you'll have a pair of AR glasses and you can actually interact with, uh, with the physical world um, when you're traveling. So meaning when you're going to China and you don't speak Mandolin, your glasses will translate what the science is saying. So when you have a program for the day, you will might find that some of them, um, the sites you want to visit are very um, busy in the morning. So the virtual assistant will give you a hint of going to this attraction first and then take the other attraction later on in the evening. So the metaverse might even help you schedule your sightseeing in the most optimized way. No matter whether we virtually travel to faraway places or enhance the vacation experience with VR goggles, When I think about it, virtual reality could also enable people who don't have the means to travel to discover the world. I'm really looking forward to what technology has in store for virtual globetrotters. But all earthly challenges in the travel industry aside, what if we went to places where over-tourism, angry citizens, and depleting resources didn't exist? 
What if what we did at the beginning of this episode actually happened? Bugge, what if we took vacations on Mars? I mean, that's about like the extreme tourism. I mean, you have this um, amount of people who's like uber rich uh, and they, they, there will be a market for them. And we already see that with, uh, with some of these projects that can take you into space now. There will for sure be a market to go to the moon for the Mars for the very few, very rich persons um, that will be afforded. For the mass tourism, that will not be an option, at least not in, in, in the next uh, 20, 30 years. Booga's a little more reserved on this one. And adding to my disappointed sci-fi heart, Arnold doubles down on this statement. While he also sees flying into Earth's orbit as possible, he's more than skeptical about everything beyond that next frontier. Mars, definitely no. In 30 years' time, the technology will be nowhere close to get people to Mars to have a holiday and then come back in any reasonable amount of time for any reasonable amount of cost. That's it's not happening because uh, I think generally we overestimate what we can do in terms of like commercializing space travel or commercializing sci-fi predictions. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just can't see that happening. Oh boy, if even scientists and marketing experts are saying that it won't happen anytime soon, maybe let's turn our attention to philosophy. And philosophy didn't disappoint. Because contrary to Buga and Arnold, Emily has no doubt that space tourism will become real one day, and we might even set foot on other planets as well. Science is going to really push forward the boundaries of what the human race is unfamiliar with. Um, so we're not talking about places that you or I haven't been. We're now talking about places that no humans have been before. I mean, people are talking seriously about manned Mars missions, for example. And I, I really think that's going to happen. Um, I think there is a lot of um, scientific willpower behind it. Um, and I think that will be really exciting to see what on Earth comes out of that. So what's the bottom line of today's episode? Let me put it this way. While we probably won't see a Martian sunrise anytime soon, it's nice to know that people aren't just going for faraway destinations or VIP-only spots anymore. Instead, we're rediscovering the unbelievable treasures that our home planet Earth holds in store for us. Time for all of us to discover the great outdoors, strike out on our own in a camper van, book a comfy glamping retreat, or use our VR goggles to travel. This was Future Dimensions, a podcast brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. In our next episode, we're going to discover some of the most unusual and innovative futuristic materials and answer the question of whether our homes will be made from mushrooms one day. That's it from me, your host, Ricardia Bramley. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, comment and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay tuned and stay curious.